Hello, and welcome to How She Does It. My name is Stacey Pezzold. I'm a 44-year-old retired chief operating officer of a publicly traded technology company. I started my career 20 years prior as a single mom living in a trailer in Beggs, Oklahoma. People often ask me, how do you do that? This podcast is designed to answer that very question. Okay, well, today I'm excited to talk to you about the second part of my story. I know last time we were together, we left off when I had just gotten hired uh, at a technology company that I was really excited about. Uh, Just for context, I think at the time, um, I was 25, my son Aiden was three, I'd also just met Alex at the time, um, this really cute boy that I had met uh, at his going away party that I was really excited about. Um, And come to find out, he was just getting ready to start his career, and he was moving to Washington, D.C. So at the time, he and I were dating. We were long distance, which actually turned out to be just a complete blessing and godsend because it gave us the opportunity as a couple to really kind of get to know one another better without the pressure of feeling like um, as a single mom that I needed to introduce Aiden to somebody that I was dating. Um, so it worked out worked out really well. So that's just a little bit of a backdrop of what was going on for me at that time. Uh, I started with this company in January of 2005. I think I mentioned at the time there was, I think, maybe 20, I think I was the 26th employee, um, if I have the count right. Um, there was a corporate headquarters in Oklahoma City, and this was going to be the first branch or satellite office for this company um, in a sales capacity. And so I was really excited to get started. As I had mentioned, um, prior to that, I was an entrepreneur and I had my little small business called Consumer Consultants. And I had been doing okay, making enough money to support Aiden and I, had a work-life balance that I was excited about. Um, But this new opportunity in sales was really going to provide me with a strong base salary, plus a ton of upside and potential uh, in terms of commission and bonuses. And so I was really, really excited about it. And I think I had mentioned, you know, in the interview or, you know, prior to getting the job, I, I felt like, you know, I had achieved a thing or two. And I felt pretty confident in terms of my skills and what I was going to bring um, to this this new career of mine. Um, and I was quickly humbled because when I got to this career um, and I started, I just realized um, that whatever skill sets I had prior to this, the success that I had had at Tulsa ePages, selling online, yellow page advertising, um, there was going to be some skills that were going to translate and transfer over, obviously, the networking piece, um, you know, overcoming objections and the sales skills. But what I hadn't anticipated um, was how difficult the sale itself was going to be. So again, just to set the tone, it's 2005. Um, you know, people are emailing online. I believe there was one or two other companies um, that were banking or online banking was pretty new and revolutionary at the time. So all that to be said, a lot of people just didn't trust the internet. And to remind you, this technology company was a payroll company. And my job was going to be to get these people to do their payroll with our company and transmit this very sensitive 
information, um, their payroll information, which includes social security numbers and uh, payroll amounts and personally identifiable information all over the internet. When a lot of people didn't even trust the internet for personal correspondence or to send emails, um, a lot of people weren't even using the internet at the time. A lot of people still had dial-up modems. Um, And so here I was trying to sell them an online payroll solution, which most of our competitors at the time had installed software products that they were using uh, that a dedicated payroll person had on their PC. And so I really had underestimated how challenging and how difficult it would be to get people to agree to meet with me to look at the solution because at the time um, it was a very forward thinking. And so I walk into this position, you know, quote unquote, I refer to this phase in my life as just a sales girl. Um, but yeah, thinking, you know, very confident, naively so. Um, and as I got in the first week or two, I really realized what a challenge I was up against. Um, part of the culture at this company is to do what's called phone canvassing two days a week for four-hour time blocks. And um, phone canvassing, also known as cold calling, um, is extremely difficult. Uh, It's one of the things in my life that I look back on, and I'm really glad that I learned how to do cold calling, which essentially means calling people out of nowhere that aren't expecting your phone call, and to have to quickly, within 30 seconds or less, pitch them on who you are and what your product is and try and get them to agree to meet with you. And as you can imagine, it is a cold call, so people aren't expecting you. It's typically an unwelcome call or pop into their office, and it comes with a ton of rejection, Um, So, which was a little bit different. I guess the advertising space was a little bit easier. It was more um, kind of, you know, retail type of environments, restaurants, hotels that I could kind of just walk my way into and start conversations with people, whereas this was more of a B2B meaning business-to-business type of environment um, where you're calling over the phone, people can't see your face, uh, and are quick to just shoot you down, hang up on you, um, ask you to leave their building, you name it. Um, it's really riddled with a ton of rejection, which, you know, again, um, you know, builds, I think, a level of mental toughness as you're approaching the situation. And as a single mom, I- I've kind of put everything on the line to take this job. I've, you know... Um, kind of disabled my consumer consultants business. I've gotten rid of all my clients. So I really have to make this situation work. I need the money. I need the benefits. I need the upside. But I find myself just immersed in a ton of challenge, a ton of adversity. And as I'm going into these cold calling environments, you know, I'm just all I know how to do is just apply as much grit as possible. And in these four hour time blocks, I'm I'm dialing anywhere from, you know, 50 to 100 different business accounts in hopes to get three appointments in that four hour block. That's what was expected. And I had other peers that, you know, new colleagues that had started at the same time as I had. And quite frankly, they were just better than me. And they were having a ton of success. And I just remember thinking, I have got to figure this out. Some way, somehow, I've got to figure out the right talk track to get people to meet with me, or I'm just, I'm not going to make it. And in this environment, it was tough. It was outside sales. The commission potential was huge. But there was basically, you know, very little room for failure or for being below quota. I mean, you were either 
at quota or you were out the door. And so I just, I knew I had to figure out um, the first obstacle, which was getting people to meet with me. And so really what I learned during that time um, is how to, you know, that you don't have to be the best, but you do have to learn from the best. And that was something my dad had taught me a long time ago. He was never, you know, he'd always say, Stacy, you don't need to be the smartest person in the room but you do need to find the smartest person in the room and learn from them. And so that's what I did is I found the person at our company that was the best at setting appointments and I just asked if I could sit and shadow and listen to them. Um, and, you know, as they would go through their benefit statements, I would, you know, ask, hey, do you mind if I borrow that or tweak it a little? And what I found is that, you know, really great people are really great about sharing their success secrets and tips. And so almost everybody that I talked to and that I listened to or learned from was like, absolutely, take it, use it, you know, word for word if you need to, or make it your own. Um, but that was kind of a key difference for me because I was very close to getting fired on multiple occasions because, quite frankly, I just couldn't set appointments. And so that was a critical turning point for me from a skills perspective was understanding the right benefit statements, um, the right ways to overcome objections, to really get people to commit to that appointment with me. So that was a really big deal. Trying to then, you know, move from getting the appointments to then, you know, truly understanding the client and doing a benefits analysis. And um, I struggled for months. Um, I was really concerned. I mean, I would end up hitting my quota, but more times than not, I thought, I'm going to get fired if I don't figure this out. And um, I say that because. I, I think so many times in life, we're just about ready to give up on something right before something amazing is about to happen. And something really incredible happened for me. Um, you know, I made my way through, I figured out how to set appointments, I figured out how to conduct analysis, I figured out how to overcome objections. I had some success here and there, but I definitely was not the top sales rep. Um, in fact, I was probably pretty close to the bottom and just barely getting by. But one of the things that I, I really leaned into that I knew I had been good at in my previous position um, with my own business and also with Tulsa ePages was the importance of networking. And so I just thought, okay, for whatever I lack in appointment setting, I will make up for it in networking. I feel like I'm better when I'm face-to-face -face with people. And so I was out one day at a chamber meeting uh, again, and I had met a colleague um, from actually a job that I had in high school. And um, she was someone that worked in HR, or I used to work for in HR. And and she had her own HR consulting firm. And so we were catching up on what she was doing and what I was doing. And again, it was another time in life where, you know, luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. And she said, Stacey, this is your lucky day. You were absolutely never going to believe what I'm about to tell you. And I couldn't imagine what she possibly had to say. And she said, well, my HR consulting firm, we, we don't like to, but we do payroll for a handful of companies. And we do that so that we can have the, the HR business. But we outsource the payroll component and we're not happy with our current provider. And I'm looking for a new solution for these clients. And so I'd love to hear more about what you're doing and the company that you work for and the technology that you're selling. 
So all that to be said, that opened up a huge pipeline of opportunity for me where I was able to work with her um, on several of the clients that she was partnering with. And she helped open a door for me um, to close several really key accounts during this this time in my journey. And so I think that's an important lesson too, um, you know, is make great relationships in your career. I think so many times we forget that, you know, in order to succeed, we 100% need the help of others. And so um, that's a big piece. The other thing that happened during that time is I knew one of my strengths and honestly, I was just reflecting on this today. um, But I'm not, you know, is endurance. I'm not always I'll use running again as an analogy. I'm not always the fastest runner, but I can usually, you know, run longer um, than most people. Uh, and so endurance is is kind of a skill of mine. And I think that's something that I learned from my dad uh, was just the importance of hard work and grit. And so I made it really a priority when I was at work to show my boss that I would outwork anybody else. And something that my dad taught me early on was that you know, when you're in a room or when you're competing against others, um, you know, you don't have to be 10% better than everybody else or 100% better than everybody else. You just need to be 1% better than everybody else. And I didn't know exactly what that meant at the time, but, you know, he would just, as an example, say, okay, well, if work starts at 8 you know, what time do you think you should show up to really impress your boss? And I'd say, well, you know, I guess ideally 7.30, 30 minutes ahead of everybody else. And he said, no, not necessarily. What time does the, does the first person arrive today? And I said, well, I think, you know, from what I've observed, it's, you know, like 7.45, anywhere between 7.45 and 7.50. And he said, well, perfect. You plan on showing up at 7.44. And I was like, okay, well, that's awesome. I can do that. And he said, okay, of all the people, um, you know, that are making appointments, how many appointments does the best person set? And I said, well, you know, I've seen people set up to five appointments in a four-hour time period. And he was like, well, awesome. You make it a goal to set six. And, you know, on we went with that analogy. And it really taught me a thing or two because I think I have a tendency, um, you know, to go all out in certain areas of my life or to do an all or nothing or have an all or nothing mentality when really we don't have to be 10% better or 100% better. Sometimes just the small little incremental 1% differences you know, in this context, spread throughout the course of a sales day are what makes a difference. And so I really applied that mentality because it was important for me, really for my boss to see how hard I was working and how hard I was trying because my results um, weren't always there. And I thought, okay, well, if I'm not at quota, then he will at least be able to see the amount of activity that I have. And I also knew and I had faith in that over the course of time, if my activity and my effort were there, so too would be my results. It might just take me a little bit longer. So I say that, that if you're in any sort of situation and you're not the best, I think that's actually an advantage. I think being a bit of an underdog, um, you can use to really drive your work ethic and um, the mindset that you bring to the table. The other thing that I decided to lean on um, since my, you know, the sales part wasn't coming as naturally as it had in the past is that I knew I loved um, 
teaching others and coaching others. I knew I loved um, to be a leader in whatever situation I was in. And at the time, I wasn't really thinking of leader in terms of, okay, well, you know, maybe one day I want to be the boss of this office or I want to be the manager of this office. I was just thinking about, you know, trying to be you know, the the go-to senior person um, of this team. So as we hired new people, um, I would offer to train them. I would take them out to lunch. Uh, if the boss, if our boss was out sick, I would offer to put together trainings or we did these warm-ups before we got on the phone and I would offer to do those. Um, if we needed lunch or coffee for the team, I would do that really at the time. I did it because I enjoyed being that person and, you know, I enjoyed, you know, kind of be the quote, being the quote unquote go-to person. Um, But what I learned in reflecting back is that in every room, there's always a quote unquote leader in waiting, if you will. Um, That as, you know, best case scenario, your boss gets promoted and there's an opening, you're the one um, that the higher powers that be look to. Or if your boss gets demoted or fired, you're the go-to person. And so, um, That was just something I did naturally that came naturally. And so I just, I worked really hard. I tried to be the leader and to set the example. Um, I really applied that 1% principle. I leaned into the skills that I knew I had, um, the things that had led me to previous successes. And over the course of time, and it took a while, I finally started finding some success in sales. Um, And I was at quota and over quota. Um, I was building my pipeline. I was figuring it all out from benefit statements to overcoming objections. And, um, but it was slow. I mean, it was a slow drip. I think it took me, you know, eight months before I finally found a cadence that I was comfortable with. Um, and like I said, it was very rocky along the way. There were multiple points I thought I was going to get fired or written up. Um, but I pushed through. I pushed through that discomfort. I continued to try and retool and um, lean on my love of personal development to figure out the things that I didn't understand or I didn't know to really try and understand my clients and my customers, understand their business, to really listen and to look for what they were needing and and to go from there. So fast forward a few months later, um, I was driving in one morning for work. Um, At the time, again, I still lived in Beggs, Oklahoma, which was about 30, 40 minutes from the office. Um, I had quite the morning. Normally it included a daycare drop-off for Aiden. Um, and then I would drive myself into work. But this was great. This is normally my personal development time when I was listening to my Tony Robbins DVDs. And lo and behold, I had a call that morning from my boss, or my, my boss's boss, I should say. And this was the gentleman that had interviewed me, the very first gentleman that I met uh, when I was interested in this company, the one that really impressed me and the one I thought, man, I don't know a lot about this company, but it I want to know a lot about this person. He's somebody that I could see myself truly following. So it was really unexpected for him to be calling me early in the morning, but it's a 7 a.m. call, and I answer it, obviously. And he asked me, would you be interested in running, managing the Tulsa office? And it caught me completely off guard. Um, And the first thing I just said was yes. I didn't ask what had happened to my previous boss. I didn't ask how much it paid. All I could really think at the time is, 
this, this guy knows nothing about me. I have zero management or leadership experience. I'm 100% not qualified for this position. But I knew that it was a job I wanted. And um, so I asked, okay, well, yeah, I do. I want this position for sure. When do I start? And he said, well, this morning at 8 a.m. And I was like, okay. You know, I woke up getting ready for work, going in uh, as a just a sales girl. And um, within the matter of, you know, an hour, I was now going to be the new sales leader. And so it was, you know, quite a pivotal shift in my career. But it was actually really awesome because I had a little bit of time to think about it um, on whatever time was left between when we ended the call and when I got into the office. And I thought, you know, one of the things that I've realized about myself since, ha- since having Aiden um, is that I love being a mom, and it's just my nature to be a nurturer. At one point in my career, I had, or my it, it, early on, I think during college or maybe even before college, I had considered really wanting to be a teacher. And so, as I thought about this role about being a manager, a sales manager, I just thought this really plays in well to all of my strengths. And it's going to give me an opportunity to really create this sales team uh, that I can educate and empower. And I was stoked. And so I didn't, like I said, I didn't know exactly what I was doing. I didn't know what it was going to get, what I was going to get paid, what it would entail. But I knew that this was a position that I wanted. And so I was excited. I was excited to take the reins and to get started. Um, the office I was taking over, the reason that my boss had been let go is because it was underperforming. Um, my colleagues who were some of my really good friends at the time um, were not meeting activity requirements. Um, and so they were either going to have to be fired or, you know, I was going to have to now all of a sudden take on this new role of being their boss and start holding them accountable to, you know, daily activity requirements and sales quotas. And it, I had bitten off more than what I could chew at the time. Uh, but I figured it out quickly. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, um, those colleagues decided to move on. I didn't have to fire them, but they opted out on their own, I think, because um, not only was there a new manager, which was me, but there was going to be kind of a new level of management, um, which some would call micromanagement, <laughs> which is probably true, but just a level of accountability and structure was needed that was being implemented really across our sales team and the Oklahoma. Oklahoma City sales team, and it was kind of time for um, some new, some new fresh blood, if you will, to come in. Um, a new, I think, candidate profile. And so I got to learn a lot about what it meant um, to start a sales team and what it meant to hire people and to identify talent. And I learned a lot of that from my mentor. Um, but what I really learned to look for beyond the skill piece of it is not just, you know, qualified sales people who had had success in the past, but really people who were hungry. Um, People like me who, you know, wanted and needed the same opportunity and were looking to embrace it and who were willing to work hard and who were coachable. And so that is what I found over the course of time and with the help of my mentor. Um, But I was able to put together, honestly, just what I would consider a dream team. And as I look at the list and the names now of people that were on my very first sales team, I get emotional because um, 
we were all just really young kids at the time, um, all extremely um, hungry for big opportunities and a big life. Um, We didn't have the skill necessarily to match, but we did have the hunger and the drive. And so um, I took this little team that I had put together and I just, I really took my job at this time extremely seriously. I remember, you know, late nights after I'd put Aiden to bed of putting together um, sales trainings. And what's interesting is what I learned at the time is that when you teach somebody something or coach somebody on something, it truly is the highest form of learning because you yourself have to make sure that you're, I don't know, a quasi-expert, whatever the topic is, before you have the confidence to speak about it or talk about it or to train on it. And so I put together, I started putting together these trainings because as one of the first sales managers for this company, I wanted to create what I lacked, which was some sort of structure or process or training plan that would get these young, eager, hungry individuals um, kind of from point A to point D as quickly as possible and to kind of build a program and a process that included natural building blocks that would step them through all the things that it had taken me, you know, eight to 10 months to learn. I wanted to try and get them there and, you know, 60 days, 90 days, and to kind of fast track their success as best as possible. And I found that I was having a blast doing it. These trainings were super fun. They were super engaging. I enjoyed the creative aspect of it. I loved nothing more um, than the Tuesdays and Thursday mornings. Um, We would do these trainings before our cold calling sessions, and they were as much about the personal development component as they were the professional piece. What I found is that yes, this team, you know, was eager for sales skills, but they were also eager for life skills. And so each training kind of had a blended balance of both. And I think what it showed to my team at the time was that I was invested not only in the success of our team, but of the success of each one of them individually. And it was as much about setting the tone before we went to go do this really hard thing, which was phone canvassing and setting appointments, um, but to make sure that they were all in the right headspace, that their energy was good, that we felt like there was a level of camaraderie and culture um, that was involved in making this really challenging thing fun and um, that we were all in it together. And so over the course of time, um, we built something really cool. We had, I would say, you know, my and it was my goal too at the time, because like I said, I, I wanted to build for sales managers what I lacked, which was some sort of library, skills library, if you will, or training library. And so after building these trainings within a year's time, I had kind of a sales manager's training platform program that other newly promoted sales managers starting um, in different areas could borrow. And so I kind of became the go-to person for training materials and um, for worksheets and handouts and even just fun ideas in terms of like pump-up sessions. And um, so it worked. It worked. I had a great sales team. Um all of which were at quota. Um, They were all 
achieving and experienced success for the first time. And what I learned about myself is that something that I'm really passionate about is seeing others succeed. There's just nothing like it. Um, I can give you multiple examples, but one that sticks out to me um, is a gentleman that came um, that had done insurance sales in the past. Uh, He was newly married. I don't know why it stands out, but he was wearing this yellow button-down shirt with a tie. He had kind of this crazy hair, this, you know, ungroomed beard. But he was super hungry, and he was at a point in his life where he was newly married, and he wanted to build, you know, a a life for his wife and his future family. And, you know, he had goals to, you know— put a down payment on a house and to take his wife on vacation and for her to be able to have enough money to stay at home. And um, so anyway, as he and I worked together, you know, obviously we worked to make sure that he achieved the level of success that he desired. But, you know, we also talked through all of those personal goals, be it financial, um, emotional or otherwise. And today he's someone that's still involved in my life. Um, He is super successful. He too has his own story um, of, you know, climbing up all the way from a sales position uh, into operations. And now he does personal and professional development and coaching for businesses and individuals. He's built the home of his dreams. It's just neat. It's neat being able to reflect back back to the very beginning and remembering the one-on-ones that we used to conduct um, every week where we would, you know, I would check in with my team um, about before we got into the business of things, we would really just talk about how they were. what was going on for them in life, what was going on with their families, what did their weekends look like, what were they struggling with, what were they concerned about, Um, what fears or obstacles were in their life that were keeping them from really reaching their true potential. And I just remember um, how good it felt to be able to help coach people, um, like I said, both personally and professionally. So it was a really fun time. I was like, well, this is my thing. You know, I had mentioned that earlier in my story when I found DECA, I realized that business was my thing. But when I had my first sales team and I got to really become a leader, I was like, no, this is my thing. This is really what I was meant to do is to be a coach um, and to be a leader and to really help people achieve their fullest and truest potential. But those were two really critical roles and phases in my life um, where I learned a lot. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about what I wanted my future to look like. But I think the biggest thing that I learned at that time was really about the importance of creating value. And um, for me, value creation really came in the form of investing in the success of others. And what I've learned over the course of time is that value, the value that we receive in life, you know, be that monetary or, you know, just personal fulfillment, but value is always in direct proportion to the value that we create. And so if you find yourself in a place in life where you're you're just lacking, you're feeling like you're, you're not getting everything that you desire out of life, um, I would encourage you to put more value in. I would encourage you to look out in your life and look at the people that you might be able to serve and the value that you might be able to create because you will receive more value as you start to invest in the success of others. 